Well, um, we thought we had that fixed. It's not looking like we had that fixed. Uh, this has been one of those mornings where we've been a little technology challenged. Uh, this morning, I told the uh, earlier congregation, the 8 o'clock crowd, uh, I do not believe there's going to be any technology in heaven because it's all going to the other place, man. <laughs> so, that's the kind of morning it was with technology. Hey, there it worked. Uh, so, sorry, that's just the way I feel right now. Thank you so much. Uh, for, for your service and for coming and, and sharing. They did a great job. So, uh, so we have been in this, uh, this series uh, that's uh, about uh, connection and community and, and kind of feeling like, you know, uh, through COVID and through all of that, we've just been disconnected and there's been struggle and, and all of that. So as a church, we're kind of coming back. And last week we talked about the idea uh, of uh, what we have in our memory verse of love one another. So let's, let's say this together, all right? Okay. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And just a reminder, this is the 11th commandment, right? We had 10, and Jesus said, I'm giving you a new commandment. And he also said must in, in all of that. Uh, so last week, we kind of talked about that. Uh, this week, we want to talk about the question, what does that look like? How, how, do, we, how do we do that, right? Does this mean that I got to like everybody? Because if that's the case, we're in trouble. Yes, say amen, because I know we all have people like that in our life in, in some sort of way or another. So uh, we're going to look today at John 17. It's Jesus' high priestly prayer. If you have your Bibles, uh, go ahead and open up there or your you know, phone, however you do that. I will also put scripture uh, up, up here. And what, what's happening is this is uh, Jesus' kind of last prayer uh, for the disciples, his last opportunity to pray for them. Uh, he will go from here to the garden, and then you know how it goes uh, from there, Judas will show up and, and on to the cross will be a part of it. So let's, uh, let's jump in this morning. Just as you sent me into the world, I also send them into the world. We've kind of started in the middle of the prayer. And for their sakes, I sanctify myself so that they themselves may be sanctified in truth. So let's, uh, let's break uh, that down. Uh, it talks about, I also sent them into the world. So Jesus is the one that sends us to do ministry in the world. Jesus never intended his followers to withdraw from the world, right? And I don't know if you've met these kind of Christians, but I knew some of them, <laughs> that, that for somehow the message of, of Christ was about kind of hunker down and wait for Jesus to come back. Jesus did not talk about that. There should be no hunker down kind of Christians. That's not what we're about. We, we are a sent people uh, into the world uh, because we have the answer for what's wrong with the world, Amen. Jesus Christ, the transformation of life. So you all are kind of like doctors without borders. You know what doctors without borders is, you know? It's kind of middle class doctors and upper middle class doctors that got all these good things going on in their life. They set all that aside and they go someplace else and they do ministry in a hard place. And that's what Jesus said to us. You know, we, we enjoy the benefit of being the family of God, the love for one another and the connection and, and the, the chili feeds. Oops, just threw that in there. That's happening Saturday. You all want to be here for the chili? Don't look at me like that, nod your heads. <laughs> it's going to be a great time and good food. But we, we enjoy that connection. In fact, I told you last week, having grown up in the church, I never knew that people were lonely because I always had more friends that I could keep up with. And he says, we send you into the world to share the good news of what happens in, in Christ. So I have sent them into the world. And then he talks about sanctify. My thing is not liking me this morning. Um, more technology. <clears throat> Um, sanctify, in this particular case, the word means to, to set aside, to set apart. Uh, and so what he's talking about here is you have been set apart 
for the work of Christ, for the mission of Christ. God has commissioned you. God has ordained you, if you want to use that language. But, but you have been set aside for a holy mission. Say, holy mission. Good, good. Look at the person next to you and say, you are on a holy mission. Yes, you are on a holy mission. Don't let anybody tell you different than that because you are on a holy mission to, to be Christ in, in our world. And then the next word is truth, and the word truth here actually refers to the, to the larger gospel, to the good news of Jesus Christ, that you can be made new, that your sins can be forgiven, that you can be fresh and clean, and that you can be in love with God and with, with one another and enjoy this life. That is the medicine, the truth of Jesus Christ. And then 20, uh, I am not asking on behalf of those alone, but also for those who believe in me through their word. There you are. Did you know that you appear in Scripture? I mean, it's right in the Greek, your name is there. But, well, no, it's not. But, but you appear. That's for those that would follow after from the message of the disciples. Who would that be? Us, exactly right. So, so he's saying this is like very few places where Jesus kind of refers to the generations that are to come. But that's what he's doing right in this spot. He is talking uh, about you. So let me say it this way. Jesus had you in mind when he prayed this prayer. He was thinking about the generations, the people, the churches, Marysville, all the places all around the world, that every follower of Jesus has a role in this. Not just the apostles, not just those early converts, but all of us. You, you have a role in the kingdom of God. Way too slow, sorry, i try it again. You have a role in the kingdom of God. There we go. Sorry, yes, I torture them like this all the time, so they should know better. And the truth of the matter is the church has widely diverse resources. It's, it's widely diverse in the people and the kinds and the positions and, and the, all of that kind of things. One of the things I love about our denomination is we are truly an international denomination. If you will look at the picture of the Board of General Superintendents, that's the highest position in our church, more than half of them are not from the United States. There's only a couple of white guys in the whole thing. It's people of color. We've got people from Africa and Latin America and, and Eurasia and, and all, all of those, those places. I love that. That's what heaven is going to look like. Amen? Amen? I mean, there isn't going to be a Nazarene section. Oh, heaven forbid. There isn't going to be a Nazarene section, right? And so um, th that's, that's what that we were, all that diversity, all that craziness, he says this about it. That they all may be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. And so the big thing is, all be one. How do we do that? What, is that? what does that look like? What does that mean? There's a couple aspects of it that I want to hit right off the bat. Number one, oneness means prioritizing people over everything else. Prioritizing people over everything else. Prioritizing people over everything else. Amen. Oh, good, because I can do this all day, you know. So, we, sometimes we forget this, but this is essential to the body of Christ. The only thing that goes to heaven with us is other people. Everything else is going to burn, amen? amen. And we've got to keep that eternal perspective so that when we're struggling with one of our brothers and sisters in Christ, we're thinking, Lord, why did you put them in my life? Remember, like you guys don't do that once in a while, come on. <laughs> Remember that we prioritize people over all of that other sorts of stuff, okay? And then the second part of this is oneness means prioritizing the mission of Jesus over our personal preferences. I'm doing what my dad used to say when he said he's given up preaching and gone to meddling, you know. 
Personal preferences, that's hard. That's hard. I have a particular style I like. We've got to do this kind of music or that kind of music or that sort of thing. The carpet in the church needs to be this color or that color or, or this color over, over there. It is hard for us in all of that. But I am here to tell you, when we get to heaven, we're not going to be talking about the color of the carpet. We're going to be talking about the mission of Jesus and how many people we brought with us in the kingdom of God. But here's what I also know about that. Having leaned real heavily into that, that piece of it, it's important that you know oneness means unity, not uniformity. Amen? We are not all the same. It's just not that way. We, we, we just, we aren't, you know? Can, can I be honest? Can I just be frank? I'm going to be anyway. Some of you are weird. Yeah, you know who you are, all of you who are laughing. And so am I. So let's just be weird together, Amen? We could be like Marysville Weird Community Church. Probably not going to bring people in. (laughs) The truth of the matter is, God built us with different perspectives on purpose because we need the larger body of Christ. Amen? So you guys are good at a whole lot of things I'm not good at. I only have a couple of things that that I'm, I'm good at, but we need the whole thing. And so we become committed to a relationship with our brothers and sisters in Christ over everything else in order that we might accomplish his his mission. So just let me say it like this. Can we just extend grace to one another? Just automatically extend grace to one another. And it doesn't matter what it is, you know, if it's a different political party, they're wrong, but just extend grace to them, amen? Whatever's going on, if we could just extend grace uh, to one another uh, in all that we do. Let me see if I can get this fixed here. We'll see. Okay. Uh, so uh, because we are different, I know this, oneness is hard. I'm going to have to stand still. So if you're watching online, I'm not going over there anymore, okay? Uh, we are different from either. Some of you are, are risk averse. You do not like any risk in your life. Anyone want to confess that you're like, risk is not your deal? And then some of you are like me. It's like, trust me, nothing will happen. You know how many times that has ended poorly for me? <laughs> it's like, my wife's like, don't trust him. You know? Some of you like detail. And some of you like big picture. Some of you are rule followers. Lord, have mercy on your souls. And some of you are big picture objective kind of people. We are different. And the truth of the matter is we all think we're right. Amen? And it's just a, a part of it. I mean, I've, I, I, just, I think I've, I've kind of finally solved this issue for me in my life. I've decided there are two kinds of people in the world. People with ADHD and people who are boring. That's it. <laughs> you know, want to guess whether I have ADHD or not? Can you tell by the fact I can't hardly stand still? Still up here, okay? So oneness is work. I need to say that this just doesn't happen organically. Oneness is, is working at extending grace from one another. It means not walking away when we think we want to walk away. We, we have to, sometimes you have to take deep breaths in the body of Christ, amen? You know, sometimes you've got to count to 10 or 100, you know? Some of those sorts of things that go on in this. Here, here's a really good one that it took me a long time to learn. Sometimes you need to learn how to not roll your eyes. Anyone want to confess at that, that point? Okay? It, 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 it just it takes work to do it. But ultimately, oneness is Christ-likeness. I mean, that's what Jesus did for us, isn't it? I mean, you think about that group of disciples he called around him. What a bunch of weirdo, dysfunctional, 
awfulness they were. I mean, that's why we all love Peter, because we see ourselves in him, right? You know? It's why we look at them. Yeah, I mean, he had a tax collector, which in, in that time was a traitor, was literally a traitor to the Israelite people. So he pulled in all of these people and he put up with them. In fact, I just want to remind you, they, they probably haven't left yet where they had Passover, you know, at the end. So this day that Jesus prays this prayer for oneness began with the disciples arguing about who the greatest was. So maybe that was what he was thinking when he prayed for oneness and all of that. But that's just the kind of the, the reality of it. Oneness is, is being like Jesus to one another. It means dealing with that stuff and putting up with it and, and, and working through it because we want to be like Jesus. Amen? In all that we do. Verse 21. I'm sorry, this is getting really bad here. For our online people, I know that's especially difficult when we're off with that piece of it. So. Um, first, okay. I'm going to set that off there. So can we shut the, shut the house off and leave the online on? Because I, I think it'll be less distracting. Thank you. Because I can talk loud. Have you noticed that? <laughs> okay, so uh, verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you sent me. So the outcome of oneness is that the world may believe. Amen? That's what it's all about. You going to give me that, Kramer? Thank you. So that the uh, online crowd can hear me uh, as well. Uh, that, that the world believe. So the interesting sort of thing is we enjoy the benefits of oneness. When you're a part of a church that is one, where they love each other and they care for each other and they watch out for each other, that is such good church life. Amen? That's the church we want to be. But even more than that, when people on the outside look in, they go, I want that. Remember last week we talked about how many people are lonely in America today? And, and they're attracted to that love. They see the love uh, amongst us, which is why Jesus said, they will know we are Christians by our love. Yeah. It, it, it always burdens me that it wasn't be they will know we are Christians by our great preaching. Oh. Or our great music or our great programs, or our great whatever, or our politics, or, or our view on whatever. They will know we are Christians by our love. And that means it forces us into relationship with, with one another. Oneness is for us, but it, let's try that again. Oneness benefits us, but it's for a lost and broken world. And that's what makes us different, is our love. Uh, when I was growing up, I grew up in the church, um, so I learned the Bible early on, uh, and, and uh, there was always, I was always attracted to the weird parts of the Bible, sorry, it just was my thing. And there's, both in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, uh, the people of God are called peculiar, say peculiar. That's kind of a fun word to say, peculiar. Uh, and, and I grew up again in a kind of a legalistic environment, you know. And, and so when they talked about peculiar, they were talking about how you shouldn't go to a movie or you shouldn't go to the circus or you should dress in a particular way and all of those sorts of things. And so peculiar was very much kind of an external sort of thing. We were to look different than the world. And it wasn't until I grew up and, and went to seminary and I discovered we weren't being peculiar, we we're being weird. 
you know? It's just weird. We didn't do a whole bunch of stuff, you know? I didn't go to dances and all that. It was probably good for everybody that I didn't go to dance because it's ugly. But, but, you know, we just, there was that sort of thing. But it turns out that's not what was meant by the word peculiar at all. What was meant by the word peculiar was this idea of we actually love one another and live in oneness with another. Amen? That's peculiar. Even in our day and age today, that's very peculiar out out there. We're to truly care for one another. We're supposed to be peculiar, not weird. Amen? So say, peculiar, not weird. Yeah. So... Unity born of love is an extremely attractive peculiarity because the world wants that sort of thing. They need that sort of thing. They, they, they think their, their primary need is connection with one another, but when they get connected with us, they begin to learn that their primary need is connection with God. Amen? Amen. And when they get the connection with God right, then they really get the connection with one another right. It's been fun this year. We are, uh, I told you, we're going to set a record for baptisms this year. And it is so fun to watch people who are new in the faith because they're like, man, you wouldn't believe these scriptures. I'm like, yeah, yeah I would. <laughs> you, know? You, you, the, you know, the fellowship and the love and this, yeah, yeah, I, I know, I know. That's just standard operating procedure for us. And, and that th- is so attractive to the world. So it is so important, not just for us, but for, for the mission of Christ, that we be a peculiar people, that we, we fill our lives with love for one another. So let me ask you this question. Can we prioritize loving each other in our church? Okay, that's not encouraging. Can we prioritize loving each other in our church? Okay, that was, yeah, you, some of you are there, and no one was really terribly excited about that. So here's the good news. I'm called to be a pastor, which means I don't, I'm not supposed to tell you what you want to hear. I'm supposed to tell you what the Bible says. So let me ask you one more time, can we prioritize loving each other in our church? Yes. You need to be peculiar. Okay, look to one another and say, you're peculiar. <laughs> I love my job. I get to make people do all kinds of funny stuff. (laughs) All right, verse 22, pushing through here. The glory which you have given me, I also have given to them, so that they may be one just as we are one. Now, you need to understand in in Hebrew uh, writing, uh, when they want to emphasize stuff, they'll say it twice. They will also say it usually at the beginning of a section and then at the end of a section. And that's exactly what's going on here, right? So now now they're, they're repeating that same sort of thing and talking about how our oneness brings glory to God and in, in all that we do. Next verse says, in them... And you and I in them, and you and me, there's the Trinity, right? He's talking about how we're supposed to reflect oneness like God reflects oneness, that they may be perfected in unity so that the world may know, he's back to that again, that you sent me and you love them just as you loved me. Let me break this one down. This one is really, really good. So the first thing is the word perfected. In English, the word perfected means without flaw. But the word that's translated out of the Greek to perfected doesn't mean without flaw. It it carries the idea actually of completed 
or whole uh, in this, uh, the purpose for which it's intended. That, that's what they think of in that. And so my standard illustration is this. A long time ago, I had this old junker car that I was driving because I was in seminary and I was really poor. Uh, and we finally got to a place to, that we could sell it, but the tires on the, on the rear uh, wouldn't pass the test. In Missouri, you had a, a, a mechanical kind of test your car had to pass. And so I needed to get some tires for that car. But I did not want to buy brand new tires for a very old car. And fortunately, there was a guy in our church that owned a mechanic shop, and he said, you know what? I got a couple of tires that will fit that sort of thing, and I'll sell them to them cheap. They're, they're used. We took them off another thing. So I went over there. I looked at the tires, and I said, they are perfect. It wasn't that they had, didn't have flaws. It was that they were perfect for the mission to get the tires on the car so I could sell the junk, so we could sell the car, you know? And that, that's what's meant here by perfect. So when we are in unity, we are being what God called us to be. We're accomplishing what he called us to accomplish. We're fulfilling his purposes for us. We are not perfect in the sense of without flaw. Amen? Don't look at anybody when you say that, okay? We're, we're without flaw, so perfect in all that. So uh, the, then the second part of this is that, that's kind of talked about in here, and that's this. Unity is the body of Christ's zone. You know what the zone is when, like, someone's in the zone? Like this morning, all the problems we have had with technology, that is not the zone. That is not the zone. <laughs> the zone is that day when everything works, everything goes right. You know, the alarm goes off, and you're like, hey, I'm ready to go, and there's no traffic going to work, and everything you do at work works out perfectly, and your boss says, I'm going to give you a raise, and there's no traffic going home, and you got the perfect meal that night, and you fall asleep instantly. That's a zone day. Anyone ever had one of those? Because I just made that up, and I'm pretty sure. Oh, we got some of you. That's, that's good. Athletes talk about this. They're in the zone when, you know, they're just hitting all the baskets. It's just, it's working, you know. Sometimes in football, they talk about the offense needs to get into a rhythm. There's a, there's a zone. Well, the zone for the church is when we have unity in the church, when the priority is people and, and loving one another and, and being together, and we want to be in the zone, Amen. So, this last part here talks about, you love them just as you have loved me. Think about that for a moment. Jesus is saying that God loves you just as, or in the same way as, God loved Jesus. There's a whole sermon right there, but I don't have time. So here's the part I want you to get that Jesus existed with God before the world began. And so if God loves you the same way he loved Jesus, then God has loved you since before the world began. Think about that kind of love. That God knew you. God knew that one day you would be born into the world and that he loved you even before that. I, I used to have a hard time getting my head around it. And then most of you know my story with cancer that should have killed me and I, and I was struggling at that point. You remember I didn't have any grandkids, and one of my great checkoff things was to have grandkids in life. And the cancer was really bad, and there was a real possibility that I wasn't going to live a long time. And, and so I, I thought I had a lot of time on my own and to pray, me and Jesus, in a hospital bed. And, and one of the things I was kind of struggling with is, Lord, I, I'd, I'd like to live long enough to see my grandkids. If I could just, if I could just see my grandkids, that would be great. And then I kind of said, what do I do, Lord? How do I, how, do I, how do I communicate to my grandchildren if I can never see them that they are loved? And this is what the Lord said to me. He said, have your children tell your grandchildren that they were loved before they were born. 
Can I tell you, you were loved before you were born. Before you messed up and did anything wrong, God loved you. And after you messed up and struggled and got into sin and all those sorts of things, God loved you. And when you stumble and you fall, God loves you. Somebody say, God loves you. Yes, that's, that's the heart of it, that, that he loved you before you, were, before you were ever born, before the world began. He loved you, and he is for you in, in this life and in the world to come. And then you can only experience true unity when Jesus is Lord. Amen. It is the, Lord Jesus, the Lordship of Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit that makes this possible. You cannot do this without the power of the Holy Spirit. I see several of you nodding your head because people are really irritating, have you noticed? You know, I mean, people drive you crazy. But, so it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that you can do this. Um, and then what binds us together is vastly more important than what separates us. If you remember nothing else out of this sermon, would you remember this? I mean, you're going to remember the peculiar weird thing, I know, that's just that part of it. But what binds us together is vastly more important than what separates us, because what binds us together is the spirit of the living God and the love made possible through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Let's say this together. What binds us together is vastly more important than what separates us. And so, what is Jesus asking you to do with what you've heard today? Is there a relationship you need to mend? Is there somebody you need to go back to apologize to or... Is there something going on where a relationship is strained that you need to turn the heat down on that? Maybe you've gotten focused on the thing you're arguing about rather than the person. One of the saddest things in my job as a pastor is when someone will come to me and we talk and I find out that they have an alienated relationship with a child and it's been for decades like that. And sometimes I will ask, this just floors me, what were you fighting about? And they'll say, well, I don't really quite remember. You're alienated from your child and you don't even remember what the fight was about? Prioritize people. Prioritize the mission of Christ. Don't get separated from one another. And let's renew our bonds together. Our goal, before COVID ever started, was to be the most loving church in our community. Amen? The most Christ-like. That's what that means uh, to be like that. So this morning, uh, when, as we, uh, we come together, we're going to close here. If our band would come, I hope they got ahead of me there. Uh, we're going to ha- have a time with our closing song, and, and I want to make an opportunity for you, uh, if you would like, to come forward and, and pray. Uh, we, if you want to pray down here along there, if you want to kneel there, you can kneel up here. But I'll tell you, the benches are a lot more comfortable to pray at, I, speaking from experience. And, and I'm going to be down here. If you want someone to pray with you, I would be happy to pray with you. Uh, together. And so, um, in fact, if we have a female elder in the church, if you would maybe come and pray down here with people. Uh, Christine, you're taking your glasses off, <laughs> one of our elders. Um, and so if you could be down here, if you I mean, you could go there if you prefer that. I'm going to be here. But let's take a moment and answer the question in our lives. What is Jesus asking you to do with what you've heard today? And let's be in prayer together.